Consultant Tarot with Open Door Talk, and I am back with Teresa Morales. I am so excited. Uh, say hi, Teresa. I kind of just hi guys. Oh, Teresa and I met through social media on Instagram, and one day I just reached out to her and I said, "Hey, I love what you're doing. Maybe you and I can pair up and talk about anxiety, especially when everything started shutting down all over the world because of coronavirus." And she said, "Yeah, why not?" And I just said, "I'm down." <laughs> Let's do it. And we recorded in a live video. I don't think that we recorded it and downloaded the video at some point. Mm. If you didn't catch it live, then you might have missed it. Getting prepared for this outline for my podcast, I said, I have to get Teresa back on here. I know a lot of people miss that live video. She is specialized in trauma. And I don't personally work for her, but I just know that her work is so on point. Teresa Morales is with Arenia Counseling. She's a licensed marriage family therapist, and she's specialized in EMDR. And she's also certified clinical trauma professional. She also has Thrive at Arenia, which is a coaching service for entrepreneurs. So if you're looking for any entrepreneurship, contact my girl. The last one is Journey of a Lotus. She has her own podcast, and she talks about everything trauma. We've been connected so we're soul sisters so at some point when i go to california i'm gonna see Teresa and kaylee as well thank you thank you michelle for having me i'm so blessed to be here it was a pleasure working with you last time when we did our instagram live i really had a lot of fun doing that and yeah i remember when you reached out you were like hey do you want to do an instagram live and i was like you know what okay sure why not you know and it was great we talked about anxiety and i think we talked a little bit about depression too it was a great segment and i'm glad that you started your podcast and that we can connect like this and continue to educate our community about trauma and other topics a little bit about uh, iremia so you you mentioned like you know that you kind of like the you know how i came about that iremia it's a greek term and spelled differently and what it means is it means serene calm i chose that word because that's kind of like a reflection of who i am my presence when people come into the therapy room and then just walk into my office they automatically just feel like that sense of calmness or just like so therapeutic in here you can just smell the lavender and just a complete sense of just calmness the moment they walk in and then my husband actually he was looking for greek words that was a reflection of what i was saying in english is he greece no ah okay he was just like you know what like you need something unique and i was like okay like i guess you know like show me what you got (laughs) so it it was it was just like a lot of um playing around with that my practice i'm in private practice i've been in private practice for about nine months i opened my practice officially in december of last year and i'm doing really great and i i love what i do I see a lot of clients. Um, my practice is in Ventura, California, Southern California area. I, I have to say, I agree with that 100%. It mm-hmm. really does define the type of person that you are. It reflects that very well. When I first met you, you you did bring some sort of calmness. And I remember when we did our first live video, uh-huh. I was so excited and I was pumped up. And anyone who knows me personally, that's just my energy. That's just how I am. Uh-huh. And then you kind of came in and you started talking about anxiety. And all of a sudden, that jitteriness that I had, it was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Love the way her voice sounds. She's just so calm. That's the name for your business and you're going to thrive, which is going back yeah. to Thrive at Arenia. So Thank if you. you guys, you're welcome. So if you guys heard my episode from last week, I talked a little bit about having my daughter 
becoming a mom for the first time and really just experiencing some anxiety that I never had experienced my whole life. And since we are still talking about anxiety, I wanted to have Teresa join in and talk about her own personal experiences, but also educate on somatic symptoms, the body and how it stores memories from trauma and how a trauma really impacts us. And of course, at the end, we're going to be leaving you guys with some effective coping skills that will be beneficial not only to you, but your, your mental health. And it will mm-hmm. hopefully it will help you through this process. So Teresa, yeah. talk to us about anxiety or I mean, if you want to start with your personal experiences and what that looked like for you. Well, I, I kind of want to just bounce back where you mentioned on your last podcast about your own pregnancy. So I had a lot of anxiety. And that's because I, I had my own trauma with pregnancy and I had a miscarriage. And so it was really a traumatic experience for me. It still initially brings up a lot of anxiety just because that's something I haven't worked through. I've worked through other stuff, but with the miscarriage, it's just kind of just been there. And it's, I think I've come more to an acceptance of what's happened, but it still doesn't mean that I don't have a, a reaction, you know, a trigger when I get triggered I definitely have a, like a somatic reaction. And for me, it's just kind of like, I feel that pressure in my chest and then I feel like tingling in my, in my arms, in my hands, and I feel lightheaded. So those are signs of my own anxiety that comes up when I was listening to your podcast. And I could just hear the excitement in your voice. And I was so happy for you. And at the same time, I was just so sad for myself. And so there's those mixed emotions that come up at the same time, it's like feeling the anxiety. So and then getting irritable, because for me, with anxiety, I get really irritable. And so there's just like all these mixed emotions when I was listening to your podcast. But I just want to say like it, you made it sound so beautiful. And just like something that was such a blessing and something that that you would wish for everyone, every female, every mother, every female that wants to be a mother to experience. I appreciate your honesty because you and I had a conversation and you said, Mm -hmm. I was triggered. I think that's what brings that connection for someone that says, Mm -hmm. hey, I'm there or I've been there and I can Mm -hmm. totally relate. But Mm -hmm. my first pregnancy was a miscarriage and that was something very difficult for me to experience. I think for me, I went into a a quick trauma response. So it was, was, you know, when I had heard um, the news, um, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of a child. So it makes sense. So my own um, self-worth issues came came into play my own um, negative core beliefs about myself. And I was like, all right, so what do we got to do? So I went into just like, you know, I compartmentalized my own feelings, I pushed them aside, the devastation. And then it was like, I, what do I have to do now? And so I was like, go get blood work. And then, um, and then it's like, okay, so what about the baby? Like, what's going to happen? And it's like, well, it can come out naturally, or it can, or we schedule a surgery. So it's, it was kind of like going to get the blood work, driving home. And it was more like, how am I going to break this news to my husband? Like, it's going to be devastating for him. I think the most traumatic experience within all of that had to have been the hospital visit because I had went into the ER with severe pain, the most horrific pain I'd ever experienced. And I was just bleeding nonstop for hours and hours and hours. And it was just consistent. They wouldn't take me back to the ER room. I was still waiting in the in the waiting room. I literally was in the bathroom on just like the toilet and just there 
just bleeding because it, nothing was holding the blood, the amount of blood that was coming out. And so that I think was more traumatic for me than the actual, the news itself. And then what happened back in the emergency room once I did get back, because anybody that knows a miscarriage or has had a miscarriage and it came out naturally understands what comes with that and, and all the emotional part and then me trying to take care of myself emotionally and then looking at my husband and trying to take care of his emotions, you know, seeing kind of like how checked out he was. I mean, that was hard for me. So here I am trying to like take care of everybody telling the doctors this and that and the nurses and just it was just really horrific. But the one thing that helps me through this is I remember that the next day my niece had came over to visit me and she just sat with me and brought me breakfast and we just sat and she just hugged me. She didn't like say like any words. It was just so beautiful. And then my dad came over too the next day and it just like he just sat with me and he just talked. And it was the most beautiful thing that anybody can do. And I remember my godson hugging me after maybe a few days or that weekend when I saw him and he was just like embracing me. No words. No, I'm sorry. No, nothing. It was just, I love you, Nina. And that was it. And so I hold on to that. And I think that's kind of what can get somebody through a traumatic experience is when they have these protective factors in their lives that can hold them in a place of feeling safe and a place of feeling love. We, we try to explore when we're working with trauma and which ways can we can we help somebody identify some protective factors in their life. I love everything that you said. I'm, I've started kind of thinking about some experiences that I've had with trauma. And, mm -hmm. you know, often, you know, people want to know with your own words what happens, the mm -hmm. details of that trauma. They want to console you, but at the same time, they also want to know how, what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And sometimes you just don't have the words. There are no mm -hmm. words to describe what you've experienced. Sometimes you just mm -hmm. need that person to sit down, lay with you, embrace you, and yeah. that's it. That's all you need. Yeah. You don't want to be interrogated. You just want to be. Right, exactly. That reminds me of kind of like what stress is and how stress impacts the body and how that in like correlates with, um, with anxiety. And so when we think about stress, we think about like that is something, it's a response to like exhaustion to feeling like overworked, to feeling fatigue. And it's just, it's, you know, when, when you have your, your mental, like your mind is just kind of like wiped out because you're just done for the day, you know, that that's what stress is. And how does that impact our body? The way that impacts our body is because it has to do with our strengths, our stress response system, which, you know, kind of goes back to like, well, what is anxiety? When we think about anxiety, anxiety is a response to a perceived threat. So it's just like, <gasps> uh-oh, something bad's going to happen. You know, that's how, that's our automatic thought. It's just like this feeling you get in your body and this this thought that you have, like something bad's going to happen. Even though you may cognitively know like nothing bad's going to happen, um, but your body's feeling something and your body's feeling something for a reason. And that's kind of like what trauma is. And so when, when somebody experiences a trauma, it really has to do with the brain's inability to make sense of what just happened. And we think about like kids, wait, my parents are getting a divorce. Yeah, I don't understand. I'm I'm so confused. My parents are separating. I don't get it. I'm confused. You know, I was just abused right now. You know, I, I don't understand what just happened. It's like, I remember this, 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 and that. And so your brain is trying to make sense of what's happening. And so that's kind of like how we, you know, we have trauma, stress, and, um, and anxiety just kind of interacting with each other. Did that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. Okay. I, I was just going to say, jump into the somatic symptoms of how your body stores that memory, kind of reacting from that fight, flight, freeze response. Yes. So anxiety is, is like, is physiological. So those are the somatic symptoms, things you feel in your body. It's behavioral. So those are things that, that you do every day. And then you have the cognitive, which is more of just kind of like having those thoughts. 
And so we think about the physiological part of anxiety. The way that looks up in our bodies is going to be excessive sweating. Or you can go the opposite side and you can have cold fingertips or, you know, your your toes are cold. So there's this heat and then just cooling effect that your body can go up and down in. Shaking, trembling, that's, that's also very common that's seen in the body. Rapid, like heartbeat, like you feel like either your heart's going to pop out or you feel as if your heart is racing. That's other, another somatic reaction. One of the biggest things is GI issues. So when we're the gastrointestinal issues, stomach issues, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, acid reflux, GERD, like all of those are all anxiety related. And yes, we have a peak in, in these symptoms, but we also have a peak in mental health. So if we can reduce the mental health, we can definitely reduce those physiological symptoms. You know, and then sometimes people complain of feeling like dizzy or lightheaded, kind of like what I mentioned earlier. That can definitely happen to the body just because you're not getting enough air in or maybe you're getting you know too much where you're hyperventilating you know and then to kind of top top off that panic attacks right so that's something else and those are all physiological things that happen to the body pain is another one you know my back hurts my shoulder hurts my neck hurts just kind of like pain that you're feeling in your body it's because there's so much stress that you're holding on to that it cannot it can't release because you are so constricted in all of that. Then we have some behavioral stuff, which can be like nail biting or biting objects, putting stuff in your mouth, shaking leg, kind of people that are very fidgety and overactive. That's also a behavioral um, response to anxiety. Fast talkers, like when my anxiety goes up, I can be like a really, really fast talker. Or it can be opposite and people will just be like talking like very like monotone. And then you have things like that are a little bit more dangerous, which is like suicidal behaviors, cutting, um, suicide attacks, Camps, drug abuse, substance abuse, eating disorders, oh, and addictions, so other forms of addictions as well to kind of ease that anxiety. And that goes back to the need to control because when you have your anxiety is high, you have, you're feeling a loss of control. Yeah. Um, and then you have the cognition part, which is having those irrational fears. Like something bad is always going to happen. You can dissociate often where you're feeling you're, where you're not present because there's too much fear going on within your body. And so when that happens, you can't be present. And so you have to check out. That kind of falls in in hand with like difficulty concentrating, difficulty remembering kind of like your own thoughts because you're not really feeling present. And so you'll see that a lot in people that have high anxiety and just kind of having like those cognitive distortions or cognitive, like those negative self-belief about one and like I'm not worthy I'm dumb I'll never make it I I can never do anything right you know just kind of like those feelings of worthless and just feeling like you're you're not good enough you're unmotivated you, you feel helpless hopeless so those are kind of like the physiological behavioral and cognitive responses that somebody has in an anxiety response and you will see that a lot in trauma when you talk about working with kids one of the things that's overly diagnosed and overly medicated is ADHD in children. And we have learned, there's been a lot more research now, that is actually, it's a a trauma response. And so a child or a kid that has ADHD has experienced a trauma, severe trauma, and it's unresolved. That's going to look like overactiveness, hyperactivity, fidgetiness, yelling, anger, aggression, you know, non-compliance, 
you're going to look at that difficulty concentrating because when a child is, is wondering, geez, mom and dad, you know, dad hit mom last night or they're fighting again or how am I going to eat today? Where am I going to get my food? Or if they're wondering about, you know, being bullied at school, I can't do this, I can't do that. They can't concentrate at school. They can't learn. They don't have the capacity to. And this is not understood by a lot of teachers and a lot of um, people in the education system. So it is looked at as, a, as ADHD and it's overly medicated. But if we can work with kids on the behavioral part where it originates from in the trauma, then we can definitely reduce those symptoms. I know that was a little side note, but I think that's important to say when we think about kids in and ADHD. Anyone that's listening now, I hope that you are able to hear what Teresa is saying, what we are saying, especially when it comes to the kids, because you need to pay attention to the signs and symptoms because there are kids that are hurting. There are kids that are suffering, living in unhealthy environments. And as professionals, I think that that's our duty to pay attention and to investigate a little bit more or to help out the best that we can so that we can try mm -hmm. to reduce those symptoms, right? Yes. That's, that's our goal. One of the things that come to my mind is I've had a few car accidents mm -hmm. and every time for, I mean, for a few years, I would get in the car and if my husband was driving and he got a little too close to another car, my body would freeze. I would feel this panic. All of a sudden, my neck was hurting me. I mm -hmm. felt very tense. My heart was beating really fast. Well, the body will hold and remember the traumatic event. And so what happens, so what ha so let's kind of like go to the brain. So what happens in the brain? When a trauma happens, there's these three areas in the brain that communicate with each other. You have the amygdala, sorry, the amygdala, <laughs> and then that is your, uh, your alarm system. And the alarm system is going to tell you, you know, hey, stress, this is not okay, right? And then you have your hippocampus, which um, that is the area that kind of like it holds the memories when we're thinking about trauma. It's going to hold that, that memory of the event that happened. And then you have your prefrontal cortex, which is kind of deals with like your, your responses to so like your behaviors and your emotion. Okay, so you have the three of them that need to communicate with each other. What happens in a trauma is that it's like jolted and it's on freeze. So it's stuck. So it's consistently going round and round and they're trying to communicate with each other, but nothing is has stopped it. And they're consistently in this like fire mode, alert. So it's like, it's saying alert, stress. And then it's saying, uh, remember the car accident? And then it's saying, oh no, danger, danger, alert, stress. Remember the car accident, danger, danger. So it's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it's stuck in that. So that is trapped trauma. And that is what your body's holding on to. Sometimes your brain, your mind doesn't remember. Sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it does. But right now we're kind of just talking about the trauma and remembering of that. And so that is why someone gets stuck in a situation where they're hypervigilant. So they're always like on guard and wondering like something bad going to happen, something bad going to happen, you know, they're in that state. So you're living in that state every single day. Normally, it's okay. If you're out in the woods, you see a bear and you have to run, right? You, your adrenaline rushes and you're like, I got to get out of here now, right? Right. And then you go to safety and you're good, right? Mm -hmm. That's perfect. Beautiful. But what happens when that occurs with you every single day of your life? That stress response is way up here and you cannot regulate yourself. And that's what we're seeing in children and adults when they have unresolved trauma 
and they're not getting the help that they need. So can you imagine living in that fear every single day? I can imagine it because <laughs> I lived in it. So I actually yes. had processed those car accidents and how it impacted me and really learned to ground myself and use the skills that I know as a therapist that I give to my clients and really work through it. I know that's not a way to live a healthy life. It's not joyful no. to feel trapped mm -hmm. and feel stuck. One of the things that I provide as a therapist is I do cognitive processing therapy, which a client talks about their trauma and reprocess their beliefs connected to that trauma or help the client become their own therapist so that yes. they can go ahead and resolve through those issues and they can change their beliefs because if you have a certain set of beliefs continue to keep you stuck in that trap you're mm -hmm. going to constantly be re-experiencing that trauma if there's anyone listening right now and they might be experiencing some trauma in their lives we're going to talk about some coping skills or ways that they can get through or break through this wall for them to get unstuck. What mm -hmm. would you recommend and what would you suggest? So I think the number one thing is, is trying to help somebody feel safe because then when they're having an anxiety attack, they feel completely unsafe. So it's about containment. Um, and about um, getting their body to a place of just feeling relaxed and calm. The number one, which I'm not going to include this as, the, as a three because this is just a given, but the number one is going to be deep breathing as your best friend. People hear it all the time, but they don't realize the impact that it has on the body because it is, it's not just deep breathing, but it's also opening up, like visualizing opening up your lungs and just like breathing in calmness and then blowing out the fear. And so it's, I always tell my clients, imagine that you're the way to properly breathe is to breathe in through your nose, like you're smelling a flower and to purse your lips, like you're sipping through a straw and blow out, like you're blowing a dandelion and you want those, the little guys to go far, far away. So you're going to blow, 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 blow until you can't anymore. But it's also about visualization of, again, bringing in the calmness and then blowing out fear. And that's really beneficial for people, especially that have high anxiety, because a lot of time they're like, <sighs> and you don't want them to get a, into a state where they are hyperventilating. So it's really about starting off with that deep breathing. The other thing is more of a Peter Levine thing. I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Levine, but he's uh, he does a lot of somatic experiencing. He's like the guru in this and like EMDR. And one thing I love from him that he talks about is placing your hand on your forehead so you have, I'm um, sorry, your left hand on your, yeah. So you have your palm on your forehead and you have your right hand on your chest. Okay. And then you just close your eyes and you're just going to focus on your hand, whether it's warm or cool or sweaty, you're just going to focus on that and how it just holds you, how it contains you, how it just keeps you safe and that you have your other hand on your heart and just focusing on your heartbeat and knowing that you are holding on to you and you are containing yourself and you have that power and you are in control and just focusing on deep breathing and so you're going to do that for maybe about five minutes if you can and you're just going to just embrace it embrace yourself embrace whatever you're feeling and just focus on that just focus on your breath and so i like that technique 
because it's just, it really calms me and I feel so contained. Guys, we actually did this. Like we were actually <laughs> doing it and it calmed me down for a second. I kind of felt it. Did you guys feel that calmness just a second ago? I felt calm as she was explaining the exercise. I hope that you can practice this because yes. it is just something so grounding. Like, I think mm -hmm. that's the point that it contains you for that moment. Another okay. technique that I have is, is on containment and is, uh, as well. And it's more of just like you holding yourself. So you're going to place one hand under like your armpit area, like on the chest, and you're going to place the other one on cupping your shoulder. Yeah, like this. Mm -hmm. oh, and you're I'm just going to like, you're just going to close your eyes and you're just going to feel that containment. Like I am holding me. I am contained. I got me and I am safe. And just focusing on what you're feeling. And it's about having this connection within yourself, within your body and being able just to focus on your breathing and feeling your chest just go up and down. And you're gonna do that for like five minutes as well. So those are two great techniques on containment that I love to use with, with individuals. And the last one I usually use is, again, it's, it's having a container. I use this in EMDR a lot. So what you wanna do is you, I have people close their eyes and I tell them to imagine a container. It can be as big as you like, as small as you want, but this has to be a container where you can put all your worries, your fears, your anger, all those negative emotions that you hold. And I want you to imagine it big enough to hold that. And it has to have a two-way system. So either a twist off, you could open and close. It can be a chest, anything, a jar, anything, anything that contain it. And what you want to do, so you want to label it a name. And this name is going to be something that brings you calmness. So it can be like your child's name. It can be a name related to um, something that you enjoy watching. So what you're doing is like, as you close your eyes, you're imagining this container. You're putting all your worries, all your fears. It's again, it's in a visualization. You're putting it in there. You're locking it shut. You're snapping it closed because right now you're not going to deal with it. You're going to wait till you talk to your therapist. You're going to wait till you talk to your friend, your partner, somebody in your life that you're able to reach out to and talk to. And if you don't have anyone else in your life to talk to, then you're going to bring out a journal. And when you're ready, you're going to bring out that journal and you're going to write about all that yuckiness that you're feeling. And then that's going to be your container as well. And you're going to close that. And so it's kind of like you're vomiting all this stuff. And you're, again, it's more about containing and it, that gives you that power and the control that you need for yourself that's that's often lost when you're feeling anxious. Yeah. I, you know, whenever anyone experiences trauma, those, you know, you feel powerless. Exactly. And I love these exercises because it gives you exactly what you just said, power and control. You're absolutely Thank amazing. Thank you. I hope that you guys were able to enjoy what Teresa shared. Can you share your handle, your social handle, so that everyone knows? I want everyone to go and follow Teresa Morales. Yes. So um, for Instagram, it's at iremia.counseling. That's I-R-I-M-I-Y-A, iremia.counseling. My business coaching is thrive.iremia. I try to keep this very, you know, similar. And then I have journey underscore of underscore a lotus. So um, you can follow me on that as well. And um, my website for anybody that's interested is www.iremiacounseling.com. I am honored to have you. I cannot wait. We're going to do this again. 
Yes, we have already decided that we're going to be talking about sexual trauma. And so mm-hmm. you guys stay tuned for that because that is coming up and it's going to be here sooner than later. So please tune in. If this was really sensitive or if it was triggering for anyone, there is always a crisis hotline that you can contact. Call any of us. If you have any questions, we can direct you and help you with any additional information. This is Michelle Pintado with Open Door Talk. Thank you.